You're listening to Clearly Conspicuous, a podcast series brought to you by Holland and Knight's Consumer Protection, Defense, and Compliance Team. Here at Holland and Knight, we have the working knowledge of how federal and state agencies operate and how courts address consumer protection issues. Consumer protection laws and regulations impact every dimension of business. Aggressive federal and state agencies are getting the attention of senior executives who are concerned about risk management, compliance challenges, and high-profile governmental inquiries. Holland and Knight's Consumer Protection Defense and Compliance Team has the experience, knowledge, relationships, and platform to effectively work with our clients to address these issues. Hello, this is Tony DeResta, and welcome to our fourth podcast of Clearly Conspicuous. As I've stated, our goal in these podcasts is to make you succeed in this current environment that's very aggressive, make you aware of what's going on, and to just give you some practical tips for success. It's a privilege to be with you today. And today I want to talk about a substantive issue. The topic is the FTC's new compliance guidance for healthcare companies concerning advertising and marketing. And although the guidance focuses on the healthcare industry, please listen carefully because these gems and the guidance apply to all industries way beyond healthcare. Now, the compliance guidance is intended to apply across the board to all health-related claims and statements and representations and communications. And it's intended to supplement older guidance, such as the FTC's Dietary Supplements and Advertising Guide for Industry. The new publication draws upon key compliance points conveyed by FTC actions brought over the past 20 years, which includes more than 200 FTC law enforcement actions that challenge false, misleading, or deceptive health claims. In addition, the publication reflects updates from other FTC guidance documents, for example, guidelines on endorsements and testimonials, and the enforcement policy statements on homeopathic drugs. So some of the key takeaways from this guidance includes the breadth of the products discussed, underscoring the broad applicability of the publication. There are examples in the guidance relating to foods, over-the-counter drugs, devices, and other health-related products. Very, very broad, obviously. The quote, clear and conspicuous, close quote, standard and qualified claims is also discussed. There's an instruction on the FTC's clear and conspicuous standard including the challenges companies face in adequately communicating qualified claims to consumers. Obviously, on the platforms that we have today on our phones and then other kinds of devices, being clear and conspicuous is obviously a challenge. But the FTC is sensitive to that. And I want to say in the FTC parlance, a qualified claim is one that's made with certain limitations or caveats. Now, importantly, there is a competent and reliable scientific evidence standard. And the section in the guidance that provides a discussion of that standard 
has been expanded to emphasize the general rule that the FTC expects companies to support health-related claims with high-quality, randomized, controlled human clinical trials, or RCTs. Now, let's talk a second about testing methodology. Drawing upon the POM wonderful decision, the revised guidance takes a deep dive into the key elements of quality research. There are discussions concerning the use of control groups, randomization, double blinding, and the requirements that results must be both statistically significant between the treatment and the control group and clinically meaningful to consumers. One noteworthy point concerns caution against p-hacking or the practice of selectively relying on an analysis of a small subset of data after failing to find a treatment effect in the study population at large. So you can see the breadth and the scope of this guidance is pretty important here. And the guidance also includes discussions about the use of consumer testimonials and expert endorsements and disclaimers and traditional use claims. FDA approval claims and third-party literature is also discussed. So what are the key takeaways? And I want to apply the key takeaways to all industries, financial services, as well as healthcare, hospitality, tech, anybody that does any kind of promotional communications. And after all, all companies do marketing to survive. Key takeaways. All advertising claims must have a reasonable basis. And the evidence, which is reasonable basis, must exist before the claims are made public. You just can't throw something out there and hope you'll find evidence after the fact. Again, the evidence has to exist before the claims are made. Next, you can't hide key term in small font or in the footnotes or in unreadable text. That's what clear and conspicuous is all about. Finally, junk science is not acceptable. The FTC and other regulators have experts to determine whether your substantiation is appropriate. There's a couple of war stories I can talk about here, but let me kind of just merge them together into one episode. And there are two major FTC investigations I've been involved in over the past five years that went on for years. We had expert witnesses. The FTC had expert witnesses and it became a battle of experts, just like you would find in litigation. And the FTC was taking the position that basically our methodology was wrong or our experts didn't have the appropriate credentials, et cetera, et cetera. And it truly became, as I said, a battle of experts. Luckily, we were able to really convince the FTC that this was not junk science. Indeed, some of the claims we were making were bold <laughs> and very aggressive. But the FTC made the determination that they had bigger fish to fry. They closed the investigation. And I'll say it was because of the integrity of our expert witnesses and the testimony and the reports that they provided that won the day. It was the showing that we did not have junk science and that they had a possibility of seriously losing in a court, whether administrative or federal. So again, I wanna emphasize these three takeaways. 
Again, all advertising has to have a reasonable basis. The evidence has to exist before the claims are made. You can't hide the key terms in small font. The terms and conditions have to be made clearly and conspicuously, and the substantiation can't constitute junk science. So ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for further programs as we identify and address other key issues and developments in consumer protection and provide strategies for success. I wish you continued success and a meaningful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Clearly Conspicuous. For more information on our consumer protection defense and compliance team, visit hklaw.com slash cpdc or email anthony.deresta at hklaw.com with any questions about today's episode.